Chapter Fourteen of A Legend of Montrose. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. A Legend of Montrose by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter Fourteen. This was the entry then, these stairs, but whither after? yet he that sure to perish on the land may quit the nicety of card and compass and trust the open sea without a pilot tragedy of benevolt look out for the private way through the chapel ronald said the captain while i give a hasty regard to these matters thus speaking he seized with one hand a bundle of argyle's most private papers and with the other a purse of gold, both of which lay in a drawer of a rich cabinet which stood invitingly open. Neither did he neglect to possess himself of a sword and pistols, with powder-flask and balls, which hung in the apartment. Intelligence and booty, said the veteran, as he pouched the spoils, each honorable cavalier should look to, the one on his general's behalf, and the other on his own this sword is an andrew ferrara and the pistols better than mine own but a fair exchange is no robbery soldados are not to be endangered and endangered gratuitously my lord of argyle but soft soft ronald wise man of the mist whither art thou bound it was indeed full time to stop mackay's proceedings for not finding the private passage readily and impatient it would seem of farther delay he had caught down a sword and target and was about to enter the great gallery with the purpose doubtless of fighting his way through all opposition hold while you live whispered dalgetty laying hold on him we must be perdue if possible so bar we this door that it may be thought mccallum more would be private and now let me make a reconnaissance for the private passage by looking behind the tapestry in various places the captain at length discovered a private door and behind that a winding passage terminated by another door which doubtless entered the chapel but what was his disagreeable surprise to hear on the other side of this second door the sonorous voice of a divine in the act of preaching this made the villain he said recommend this to us as a private passage i am strongly tempted to return and cut his throat he then opened very gently the door which led into a latticed gallery used by the marquis himself the curtains of which were drawn perhaps with the purpose of having it supposed that he was engaged in attendance upon divine worship when in fact he was absent upon his secular affairs there was no other person in the seat for the family of the marquis such was the high state maintained in those days sat during service in another gallery placed somewhat lower than that of the great man himself this being the case captain dalgetty ventured to ensconce himself in the gallery of which he carefully secured the door never although the expression be a bold one 
was a sermon listened to with more impatience and less edification on the part of one at least of the audience the captain heard sixteenthly seventeenthly eighteenthly and to conclude with a sort of feeling like protracted despair but no man can lecture for the service was called a lecture for ever and the discourse was at length closed the clergyman not failing to make a profound bow towards the loudest gallery little suspecting whom he honoured by that reverence to judge from the haste with which they dispersed the domestics of the marquis were scarce more pleased with their late occupation than the anxious captain dalgetty indeed many of them being highland men had the excuse of not understanding a single word which the clergyman spoke although they gave their attendance on his doctrine by the special order of Macallum moore and would have done so had the preacher been a turkish imam but although the congregation dispersed thus rapidly the divine remained behind in the chapel and walking up and down its gothic precincts seemed either to be meditating on what he had just been delivering or preparing a fresh discourse for the next opportunity bold as he was dalgetty hesitated what he ought to do time however pressed and every moment increased the chance of their escape being discovered by the jailer visiting the dungeon perhaps before his wonted time and discovering the exchange which had been made there at length whispering ronald who watched all his motions to follow him and preserve his countenance captain dalgetty with a very composed air descended a flight of steps which led from the gallery into the body of the chapel a less experienced adventurer would have endeavoured to pass the worthy clergyman rapidly in hopes to escape notice but the captain who foresaw the manifest danger of failing in such an attempt walked gravely to meet the divine upon his walk in the midst of the chancel and pulling off his cap was about to pass him after a formal reverence but what was his surprise to view in the preacher the very same person with whom he had dined in the castle of ardenvor yet he speedily recovered his composure and ere the clergyman could speak was the first to address him i could not he said leave this mansion without bequeathing to you my very reverend sir my humble thanks for the homily with which you have this evening favoured us i did not observe sir said the clergyman that you were in the chapel it pleased the honourable marquis said dalgetty modestly to grace me with a seat in his own gallery the divine bowed low at this intimation knowing that such an honour was only vouchsafed to persons of very high rank it has been my fate sir said the captain in the sort of wandering life which i have led to have heard different preachers of different religions as for example lutheran evangelical reformed calvinistical and so forth but never have i listened to such a homily as yours call it a lecture worthy sir said the divine such is the phrase of our church lecture or homily said dalgetty it was as the high germans say 
gans forder flick and i would not leave this place without testifying unto you what inward emotions i have undergone during your edifying collection and how i am touched to the quick that i should yesterday during the refection have seemed to infringe on the respect due to such a person as yourself alas my worthy sir said the clergyman we meet in this world as in the valley of the shadow of death not knowing against whom we may chance to encounter in truth it is no matter of marvel if we sometimes jostle those to whom if known we would yield all respect surely sir i would rather have taken you for a profound malignant than for such a devout person as you prove who reverences the great master even in the meanest of his servants it is always my custom to do so learned sir answered dalgetty for in the service of the immortal gustavus but i detain you from your meditations his desire to speak of the king of sweden being for once overpowered by the necessity of his circumstances by no means my worthy sir said the clergyman what was i pray you the order of that great prince whose memory is so dear to every protestant bosom sir the drums beat to prayers morning and evening as regularly as for parade and if a soldier passed without saluting the chaplain he had an hour's ride on the wooden mare for his pains sir i wish you a very good evening i am obliged to depart the castle under macallum moore's passport stay one instant sir said the preacher is there nothing i can do to testify my respect for the pupil of the great gustavus and so admirable a judge of preaching nothing sir said the captain but to show me the nearest way to the gate and if you would have the kindness he added with great effrontery to let a servant bring my horse with him the dark grey gelding call him gustavus and he will prick up his ears for i know not where the castle stables are situated and my guide he added looking at ronald speaks no english i hasten to accommodate you said the clergyman your way lies through that cloistered passage now heaven's blessing upon your vanity said the captain to himself i was afraid i would have had to march off without gustavus in fact so effectually did the chaplain exert himself in behalf of so excellent a judge of composition that while dalgetty was parleying with the sentinels at the drawbridge showing his passport and giving the watchword a servant brought him his horse ready saddled for the journey in another place the captain's sudden appearance at large after having been publicly sent to prison might have excited suspicion and enquiry but the officers and domestics of the marquis were accustomed to the mysterious policy of their master and never supposed aught else than that he had been liberated and entrusted with some private commission by their master in this belief and having received the parole they gave him free passage dalgetty rode slowly through the town of inverary the outlaw attending upon him like a foot-page at his horse's shoulder as they passed the gibbet the old man looked on the bodies and wrung his hands the look and gesture was momentary 
but expressive of indescribable anguish instantly recovering himself ronald in passing whispered somewhat to one of the females who like rizpah the daughter of ea seemed engaged in watching and mourning the victims of feudal injustice and cruelty the woman startled at his voice but immediately collected herself and returned for answer a slight inclination of the head dalgetty continued his way out of the town uncertain whether he should try to seize or hire a boat and cross the lake or plunge into the woods and there conceal himself from pursuit in the former event he was liable to be instantly pursued by the galleys of the marquis which lay ready for sailing their long yard-arms pointing to the wind and what hope could he have in an ordinary highland fishing-boat to escape from them if he made the latter choice his chance either of supporting or concealing himself in those waste and unknown wildernesses was in the highest degree precarious the town lay now behind him yet what hand to turn to for safety he was unable to determine and began to be sensible that in escaping from the dungeon at inverary desperate as the matter seemed he had only accomplished the earliest part of a difficult task if retaken his fate was now certain for the personal injury he had offered to a man so powerful and so vindictive could be atoned for only by instant death while he pondered these distressing reflections and looked around with a countenance which plainly expressed indecision ronald mackay suddenly asked him which way he intended to journey and that honest comrade answered dalgetty is precisely the question which i cannot answer you truly i begin to hold the opinion ronald that we had better have stuck by the brown loaf and water-pitcher until sir duncan arrived who for his own honour must have made some fight for me saxon answered mackay do not regret having exchanged the foul breath of yonder dungeon for the free air of heaven above all repent not that you have served a son of the mist put yourself under my guidance and i will warrant your safety with my head can you guide me safe through these mountains and back to the army of montrose said dalgetty i can answered mackay there lives not a man to whom the mountain passes the caverns the glens the thickets and the quarries are known as they are to the children of the mist while others crawl on the level ground by the sides of lakes and streams ours are the steep hollows of the inaccessible mountains the birthplace of the desert springs not all the bloodhounds of argyle can trace the fastnesses through which i can guide you sayest thou so honest ronald replied dalgetty then have on with thee for of a surety i shall never save the ship by my own pilotage the outlaw accordingly led the way into the wood by which the castle is surrounded for several miles walking with so much dispatch as kept gustavus at a round trot and taking such a number of cross-cuts and turns that captain dalgetty speedily lost all idea where he might be and all knowledge of the points of the compass at length the path which had gradually become more difficult 
altogether ended among thickets and underwood the roaring of a torrent was heard in the neighbourhood the ground became in some places broken in others boggy and everywhere unfit for riding what the foul fiend said dalgetty is to be done here i must part with gustavus i fear take no care for your horse said the outlaw he shall soon be restored to you as he spoke he whistled in a low tune and a lad half dressed in tartan half naked having only his own shaggy hair tied with a thong of leather to protect his head and face from sun and weather lean and half starved in aspect his wild grey eyes appearing to fill up ten times the proportion usually allotted to them in the human face crept out as a wild beast might have done from a thicket of brambles and briars give your horse to the gilly said ronald mackay your life depends upon it och och exclaimed the despairing veteran eu as we used to say at marshall college must i leave gustavus in such grooming are you frantic to lose time thus said his guide do we stand on friend's ground that you should part with your horse as if he were your brother i tell you you shall have him again but if you never saw the animal is not life better than the best colt ever mare foaled and that is true too mine honest friend sighed dalgetty yet if you knew but the value of gustavus and the things we two have done and suffered together see he turns back to look at me be kind to him my good breechless friend and i will requite you well so saying and withal sniffling a little to swallow his grief he turned from the heart-rending spectacle in order to follow his guide to follow his guide was no easy matter and soon required more agility than captain dalgetty could master the very first plunge after he had parted from his charger carried him with little assistance from a few overhanging boughs or projecting roots of trees eight foot sheer down into the course of a torrent up which the sun of the mist led the way huge stones over which they scrambled thickets of them and brambles through which they had to drag themselves rocks which were to be climbed on the one side with much labour and pain for the purpose of an equally precarious descent upon the other all these and many such interruptions were surmounted by the light-footed and half-naked mountaineer with an ease and velocity which excited the surprise and envy of captain dalgetty who encumbered by his headpiece corselet and other armour not to mention his ponderous jack-boots found himself at length so much exhausted by fatigue and the difficulties of the road that he sat down upon a stone in order to recover his breath while he explained to ronald mackay the difference betwixt travelling expeditus and impetitus as these two military phrases were understood at marischal college aberdeen the sole answer of the mountaineer was to lay his hand on the soldier's arm and point backward in the direction of the wind dalgetty could spy nothing for evening was closing fast and they were at the bottom of a dark ravine 
but at length he could distinctly hear at a distance the sullen toll of a large bell that said he must be the alarm the storm-clock as the germans call it it strikes the hour of your death answered ronald unless you can accompany me a little farther for every toll of that bell a brave man has yielded up his soul truly ronald my trusty friend said dalgetty i will not deny that the case may be soon my own for i am so for Faufen, being as i explained to you impetitus for had i been expeditus i mind not pedestrian exercise the flourish of a fife that i think i had better ensconce myself in one of these bushes and even lie quiet there to abide what fortune god shall send me i entreat you mine honest friend ronald to shift for yourself and leave me to my fortune as the lion of the north the immortal gustavus adolphus my never-to-be-forgotten master whom you must surely have heard of ronald though you may have heard of no one else said to francis albert duke of saxe lonenburg when he was mortally wounded on the plains of lutzen neither despair altogether of my safety ronald seeing i have been in as great pinches as this in germany more especially i remember me that at the fatal battle of nerlingen after which i changed service if you would save your father's son's breath to help this child out of trouble instead of wasting it upon the tales of shanachies said ronald who now grew impatient of the captain's loquacity or if your feet could travel as fast as your tongue you might yet lay your head on an unbloody pillow to-night something there is like military skill in that replied the captain although wantonly and irreverently spoken to an officer of rank but i hold it good to pardon such freedoms on a march in respect of the saturnalian license indulged in such cases to the troops of all nations and now resume thine office friend ronald in respect i am well breathed or to be more plain i pray sequar as we used to say at marischal college comprehending his meaning rather from his motions than his language the son of the mist again led the way with an unerring precision that looked like instinct through a variety of ground the most difficult and broken that could well be imagined dragging along his ponderous boots encumbered with thigh-pieces gauntlets corslet and back-piece not to mention the buff jerkin which he wore under all these arms talking of his former exploits the whole way though ronald paid not the slightest attention to him captain dalgetty contrived to follow his guide a considerable space farther when the deep-mouthed baying of a hound was heard coming down the wind as if opening on the scent of its prey black hound said ronald whose throat never boded good to a child of the mist ill fortune to her who littered thee hast thou already found our trace but thou art too late swart hound of darkness and the deer has gained the herd so saying he whistled very softly and was answered in a tone equally low 
from the top of a pass up which they had for some time been ascending mending their pace they reached the top where the moon which had now risen bright and clear showed to dalgetty a party of ten or twelve highlanders and about as many women and children by whom ronald mackay was received with such transports of joy as made his companion easily sensible that those by whom he was surrounded must of course be children of the mist the place which they occupied well suited their name and habits it was a beetling crag round which winded a very narrow and broken footpath commanded in various places by the position which they held ronald spoke anxiously and hastily to the children of his tribe and the men came one by one to shake hands with dalgetty while the women clamorous in their gratitude pressed round to kiss even the hem of his garment they plight their faith to you said ronald mackay for requital of the good deed you have done to the tribe this day enough said ronald answered the soldier enough said tell them i love not this shaking of hands it confuses ranks and degrees in military service and as to kissing of gauntlets pauldrons and the like i remember that the immortal gustavus as he rode through the streets of nuremberg being thus worshipped by the pules being doubtless far more worthy of it than a poor though honourable cavalier like myself did say unto them in the way of rebuke if you idolize me thus like a god who shall assure you that the vengeance of heaven will not soon prove me to be a mortal and so here i suppose you intend to make a stand against your followers ronald voto adios as the spaniard says a very pretty position as pretty a position for a small peloton of men as i have seen in my service no enemy can come towards it by the road without being at the mercy of cannon and musket but then ronald my trusty comrade you have no cannon i dare to aver and i do not see that any of these fellows have muskets either so with what artillery you propose making good the pass before you come to hand-blows truly ronald it passeth my apprehension with the weapons and with the courage of our fathers said mackay and made the captain observe that the men of his party were armed with bows and arrows bows and arrows exclaimed dalgetty ha 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 have we robin hood and little john back again bows and arrows why the sight has not been seen in civilized war for a hundred years bows and arrows and why not weavers beams as in the days of goliath ah that dugald dalgetty of drumthwacket should live to see men fight with bows and arrows the immortal gustavus would never have believed it nor wallenstein nor butler nor old tilly well ronald a cat can have but its claws since bows and arrows are the word even let us make the best of it only as i do not understand the scope and range of such old-fashioned artillery you must make the best disposition you can out of your own head for my taking the command 
whilk i would have gladly done had you been to fight with any christian weapons is out of the question when you are to combat like quivered numidians i will however play my part with my pistols in the approaching melee in respect my carabine unhappily remains at gustavus saddle my service and thanks to you he continued addressing a mountaineer who offered him a bow dugald dalgetty may say of himself as he learned at marischal college non egat mari joculus nece arcu nec venenatus gravida sagittus fuse faratra whilk is to say ronald mackay a second time imposed silence on the talkative commander as before by pulling his sleeve and pointing down the pass the bay of the bloodhound was now approaching nearer and nearer and they could hear the voices of several persons who accompanied the animal and hallooed to each other as they dispersed occasionally either in the hurry of their advance or in order to search more accurately the thickets as they came along they were obviously drawing nearer and nearer every moment mackay in the meantime proposed to captain dalgetty to disencumber himself of his armour and gave him to understand that the women should transport it to a place of safety i crave your pardon sir said dalgetty such is not the rule of our foreign service in respect i remember the regiment of finland cuirassiers reprimanded and their kettle-drums taken from them by the immortal gustavus because they had assumed the permission to march without their corslets and to leave them with the baggage neither did they strike kettle-drums again at the head of that famous regiment until they behaved themselves so notably at the field of leipzig a lesson whilk is not to be forgotten any more than that exclamation of the immortal gustavus now shall i know if my officers love me by their putting on their armour since if my officers are slain who shall lead my soldiers into victory nevertheless friend ronald this is without prejudice to my being rid of these somewhat heavy boots providing i can obtain any other succedaneum for i presume not to say that my bare soles are fortified so as to endure the flints and thorns as seems to be the case with your followers to rid the captain of his cumbrous greaves and case his feet in a pair of brogues made out of deerskin which a highlander stripped off for his accommodation was the work of a minute and dalgetty found himself much lightened by the exchange he was in the act of recommending to ronald mackay to send two or three of his followers a little lower to reconnoitre the pass and at the same time somewhat to extend his front placing two detached archers at each flank by way of posts of observation when the near cry of the hound apprised them that the pursuers were at the bottom of the pass all was then dead silence for loquacious as he was on other occasions captain dalgetty knew well the necessity of an ambush keeping itself under covert the moon gleamed on the broken pathway and on the projecting cliffs of rock 
round which it winded its light intercepted here and there by the branches of bushes and dwarf trees which finding nourishment in the crevices of the rocks in some places overshadowed the brow and ledge of the precipice below a thick copse-wood lay in deep and dark shadow somewhat resembling the billows of a half-seen ocean from the bosom of that darkness and close to the bottom of the precipice the hound was heard at intervals baying fearfully sounds which were redoubled by the echoes of the woods and rocks around at intervals these sunk into deep silence interrupted only by the plashing noise of a small runnel of water which partly fell from the rock partly found a more silent passage to the bottom along its projecting surface voices of men were also heard in stifled converse below it seemed as if the pursuers had not discovered the narrow path which led to the top of the rock or that having discovered it the peril of the ascent joined to the imperfect light and the uncertainty whether it might not be defended made them hesitate to attempt it at length a shadowy figure was seen which raised itself up from the abyss of darkness below and emerging into the pale moonlight began cautiously and slowly to ascend the rocky path the outline was so distinctly marked that captain dalgetty could discover not only the person of a highlander but the long gun which he carried in his hand and the plume of feathers which decorated his bonnet tossen tieflin that i should say so and so like to be near my latter end ejaculated the captain but under his breath what will become of us now they have brought musketry to encounter our archers but just as the pursuer had attained a projecting piece of rock about half-way up the ascent and pausing made a signal for those who were still at the bottom to follow him an arrow whistled from the bow of one of the children of the mist and transfixed him with so fatal a wound that without a single effort to save himself he lost his balance and fell headlong from the cliff on which he stood into the darkness below the crash of the boughs which received him and the heavy sound of his fall from thence to the ground was followed by a cry of horror and surprise which burst from his followers the children of the mist encouraged in proportion to the alarm this first success had caused among the pursuers echoed back the clamour with a loud and shrill yell of exultation and showing themselves on the brow of the precipice with wild cries and vindictive gestures endeavoured to impress on their enemies a sense at once of their courage their numbers and their state of defence even captain dalgetty's military prudence did not prevent his rising up and calling out to ronald more loudly than prudence warranted caraco comrade as the spaniard says the long bow for ever in my poor apprehension now were you to order a file to advance and take position the sassenach cried a voice from beneath mark the sassenach sitier i see the glitter of his breastplate at the same time three muskets were discharged and while one ball rattled against the corslet of proof 
to the strength of which our valiant captain had been more than once indebted for his life another penetrated the armour which covered the front of his left thigh and stretched him on the ground ronald instantly seized him in his arms and bore him back from the edge of the precipice while he dolefully ejaculated i always told the immortal gustavus wallenstein tilly and other men of the sword that in my poor mind taslets ought to be made musket-proof with two or three earnest words in gaelic mackay commended the wounded man to the charge of the females who were in the rear of his little party and was then about to return to the contest but dalgetty detained him grasping a firm hold of his plaid i know not how this matter may end but i request you will inform montrose that i died like a follower of the immortal gustavus and i pray you take heed how you quit your present strength even for the purpose of pursuing the enemy if you gain any advantage and and here dalgetty's breath and eyesight began to fail him through loss of blood and mackay availing himself of this circumstance extricated from his grasp the end of his own mantle and substituted that of a female by which the captain held stoutly thereby securing as he conceived the outlaw's attention to the military instructions which he continued to pour forth while he had any breath to utter them though they became gradually more and more incoherent and comrade you will be sure to keep your musketeers in advance of your stand of pikes lockaber axes and two-handed swords stand fast dragoons on the left flank where was i i and ronald if ye be minded to retreat leave some lighted matches burning on the branches of the trees it shows as if they were lined with shot but i forget ye have no matchlocks nor habergians only bows and arrows bows and arrows ha 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 here the captain sunk back in an exhausted condition altogether unable to resist the sense of the ludicrous which as a modern man-at-arms he connected with the idea of these ancient weapons of war it was a long time ere he recovered his senses and in the meantime we leave him in the care of the daughters of the mist nurses as kind and attentive in reality as they were wild and uncouth in outward appearance End of chapter 14